Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. Okay, you ready? Jesus is our shalom. Two weeks ago, we talked about freedom and and the idea or the concept of shalom as freedom. We looked at the Exodus story. So in the the story of the Exodus, we we have God reaching into the story of humanity to say, actually, I have a broader, a bigger, a more robust vision for the way the world functions and works than what you're seeing here. And it can't work in a place of oppression. It can't work in a place of coercion, in manipulation, in all of those those negative places. That's not how the world can work and function as a place of order, as a place of peace, as a place of shalom. And so the Exodus story is God reaching in to tell a different story, one of freedom. And that And that movement throughout the text is one of bringing order, of bringing peace in communities. Relationships, one-to-one, marriages, families, broader communities. Almost always when the the Bible speaks about a, a bigger idea of shalom or peace, it is in context of the community. And this morning we're going to look at a few stories from the Gospels that identifies the exact same thread that has been moving through the entire Hebrew Scripture and is now moving into the story of the New Testament, the story of Jesus, and the story of the early church. And we could continue, which we will, don't get too excited, the story of Shalom all the way into today and beyond. So the story of the church, the story of Jesus, the story of the Israel people, the story of uh, the Hebrews, the story of Abraham, the story of Genesis 1. We do all of that, right? That's what Shalom is doing all the way through. You could argue that Shalom is the central conversation that happens throughout Scripture. So Jesus, I want to tell three stories, and we're going to intertwine them, tangle, I don't know. We're going to tell some stories. And in each case, because as you know the story of Jesus, as Jesus is living in and around people everywhere that Jesus goes, there is restoration that is needed. It is individuals who are struggling to to survive. It is is entire communities that are struggling to, to fit and mesh together. It is... It is a story of restoration, and in each case, even in the miracles, when Jesus is healing someone, even in the miracles, Jesus restores them to their community. In every single situation in which a person is healed by Jesus, they are also at the same time, restored to their place in the community. 
I want you to think about how big of a statement that is. In every moment when Jesus reaches out to an individual, He restores their place in the community. This is why shalom, peace, I don't know what's going on out here. Right. Not peace. Let's start in Ephesians 2. Now this is not Jesus, but Ephesians sets the stage for us this morning. So then, remember, hold on, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He, for Jesus, is our peace. This is not Hebrew. The word is not shalom. But you get the idea. We've translated it the same because it's the Greek word, peace. For He, for Jesus, is our shalom. In His flesh, He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. The statement is, Jesus is our shalom that brings peace between neighbors, that is, allows us to find humanity in our enemies, that allows us to look past the anger and the frustration and anxiety and fear and live in a place of peace with those around us. That's where Paul starts us in that statement on Ephesians, from Ephesians. You see, and this is, a, this is a quote from Walter Brueggemann. Remember, we can't get away from it. Our anxiety, our drivenness, our covetousness, our injustice, our chaos, none of this secures our existence. None of this moves us into a place of community with one another. And in every case of Jesus interacting and moving people forward, He restores the community as a whole in the process. Jesus brings together the leper and the Pharisees, the guilty and the accuser, the tax collector and the community. Jesus is the restorer of shalom. Let's talk about leprosy. In the purity laws in the Jewish tradition, there is a, an entire set of laws that put us in a, a place of separating ourselves in certain situations. Things like blood, things like sickness, uh, leprosy, things, uh, menstruation, things that, things that are everyday parts of life are also cause for removal from community, removal from society. And as leprosy was both contagious and cause for uncleanliness ritualistically in terms of spiritual uncleanliness, let's not get into the depths of what we're supposed to do with that. A physical disease being a spiritual uncleanliness is problematic in my book, but that's a different conversation. So physically when you had leprosy, you were removed from the community. 
In fact, you were moved into a community or a, a ostracized into a community of those who also had leprosy. And you could not be restored unless you were healed. And so physically you're removed from community. Socially you're looked down upon from the rest of community. And you are ostracized in every way, shape, or form. Just to sort of lay the groundwork here, if you don't have a place indoors to sleep tonight, physically you are removed from your community. Sometimes spiritually you are ostracized for your place in life. And you are looked down upon socially for not pulling your weight in our community, in our culture, in our society. Once, Luke chapter 5, when Jesus was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and, be, and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. So just to contrast this with the other two mentions, so this is the same story as told in Mark, is also told in Matthew. Luke ups the ante just a bit. Instead of just a leper, is how it was quoted in the other two, or a person with leprosy, this one, there was a man covered in leprosy. Not as he just looked down upon, not as he unclean, not as he just removed things, but this is someone covered with leprosy. The one you walk on the other side of the street from. The one we serve when we go serve a meal, but we make sure we get the plate to them before they grab anything off the table. This is the, the one removed. Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out His hand, touched Him, and said, I do choose. Be made clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. I want to move, before we finish that story, I want to move to talk about a tax collector that was very much a part of the community, yet looked down upon and ostracized and pushed away from the community because of his position as a tax collector. And let's be honest, for a good reason. So tax collectors, we've gone through this before because they're such a huge target in Scripture. Uh, but tax collectors, if you need a group of people to pay their fair share of taxes and a little more... You take someone from within the community and you say, hey, come talk to me. Let me help you out and you can help me out. I can get you lots of money. You can even skim some more off the top. All you got to do is make sure all of these of your people pay their taxes to me. So you take someone out of their own community you have them go back to their community and say, guess what, I'm collecting the taxes now, here's what you owe. It's a little bit smoother that way when you can use somebody from within. 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich because he had a good deal going. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Now mind you, most of the time, everywhere we go, Jesus is reaching out to the person that's marginalized. He's reaching out to the person that is poor both in society and in uh, wealth. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner, one who cheats us, one who takes advantage of his own people, one who has so much wealth and still continues to take more from us. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my <clears throat> look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which he has, I will pay back four times as much. And so Jesus says to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus says, look, I'll give everything and I'll pay some reparations, we could say, on top of that to make it all better. And Jesus brings someone who is broken from the community back into the community through a process of restoration. And with the man who is covered in leprosy, Jesus says, I do choose. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and ordered him to tell no one, go, he said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering to your, for your cleansing for a testimony to them. And immediately he is able to walk in before the priest and say, I'm ready to be back in our community. A few months ago, there was some new housing put in, in Maple Ridge, to be clear. And people who have been living on the street, who have been ostracized, who have to carry everything they, where they go. They're known immediately. They don't have access to clean water. They don't have access to, to clean themselves up so that they are not identifiable when they go into a restaurant or into a coffee shop or into the rec center. And some new housing is put in. And about... 25 are moved from Anita Place, Tent City, into modular housing. And overnight, they have a place to keep their belongings so that they can walk around securely without carrying things that, are, that they have to carry with them. Immediately, they're given a, a place that, that they can be, get clean and go out into the community without people looking at them and, and identifying, oh, that person's probably... Let me tell you, when I spend a few nights that's not under a house, I look homeless too. And people know that. 
and people look at you differently, and they talk to you differently. We were walking around the camp one day, and I was looking in such a condition. Someone says, hey, do you know where, um, do you know where the tent city is? Yes, by chance I do. Immediately they're given a place to wash, a place to sleep, a place to be rested, a place that they can be, have some security, a place that they can eat and be fed, and immediately they are able to then return to the community with security and have their place restored in the community. One of the gentlemen who was at the camp moved into Modular was talking to a a group of us about the changes. He said, you wouldn't believe it. Even after two months, people that were on the street have giant smiles on their faces because life changed overnight. You can see the stress and the anxiety and the fear and and the world removed from their face. A place of peace, you could say. Overnight, that happened. And he said, and it hasn't changed even after two months. You can see the difference in these people's lives and in their faces and the way they carry themselves and the things that they care about and the way that they're working toward different places or or what comes next. Jesus moved from person to person, restoring them to the community. And we have opportunities in our own lives, in our own community, to be helping move people and ourselves from places of hostility, from places of fear, into places of community and relationship and care and shalom. It's more difficult to find in the story of Jesus this story of unity. It's there. But Paul takes, Paul sees and hears and understands the life of Jesus and over and over goes back and, say, and says, look at what Jesus did. In the story of Jesus, you no longer have male nor female, Jew or Greek, In the story of Jesus, in the community of a place where where shalom is brought into the world, inhabited in the world, not some far-off concept, not not something that, that we're grasping for in some futuristic place, but right here when shalom is brought to be embodied in our community, dividing walls are separated. Barriers of hostility are brought down and we are able to to do life, community, and have peace together. That, from Paul's perspective, is the story of Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is a struggle. Whatever you do with this next line, it's difficult. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Wait, what? I'm so, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
This reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. In this moment of understanding of where the world is in all of its factions, Jesus is saying, and I am to bring them together in one place. And so in everything that he actually does, not just says, he is bringing people into community. And two chapters later, he's, John quotes him again, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will, now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. There is no hesitation. There is no segregation. There is no split between this type or this type. I, when I am lifted up, will draw all people. And this makes us very uncomfortable because we live in a society and in a culture and in families full of division and, yes, division. And it is so easy for us to understand our world and then God through those ideas and concepts of division. And Jesus says, I'm not having any of it. And Paul says, Jesus didn't have any of it. You see, Jesus brings together the leper and the Pharisees, the guilty and the accuser, the tax collector and the community, and Jesus is the restorer of shalom. At every point in the story, Jesus is restoring community, individuals to community, factions of community with one another. And we get to participate. We get to take up that story and carry it forward. Walk out of here or stay. You can do it here too. Walk out of here and carry God's story of peace and reconciliation and oneness to the world around us, to our own community, which so desperately needs it right now. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevear and is used under a Creative Commons by attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.